Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. Welcome to the show, Mike Wolf. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Great to see you, buddy. Great to have you here. Mike, you've been in this business a number of years, and we've got to know each other during the last down cycle. At that time, I think you were buying distressed properties in Vegas, and we now see what might be almost a repeat of a decade ago, but different. Love to get your perspective, but before we do, why don't you give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey? Absolutely. Well, I got my start way back 31 years ago, kind of by mistake. I know it's a short show, so I'm not going to go into my whole backstory, but I was basically going to University of Calgary. I got my first degree, had racked up a whole bunch of student loans, and I was living my parents' dream, and that was to become a lawyer. That wasn't really my dream. After I racked up those student loans, decided before I get my next degree, I'm going to pay these off and totally got into real estate by mistake, which I'll say for another time, but it was a really good mistake. That was the first time in my life where I really knew what I wanted to be. And the biggest problem was my first deal I was very successful on, but it wasn't because I was smart. It's because I got really lucky. And then quickly quit my, I had a job at the time at the phone company, quit that. I told my parents, I'm not going back to law school. That's what you want. That's not what I want. But because I was lucky on my first deal, managed to lose almost all of what I made on that first one on the second one. I didn't really understand any strategy. Couldn't hit the lottery for that second time in a row. But here we are 31 years later, and I managed to learn from my mistakes. Over those 31 years, I've pretty much done every strategy known to man that you can do within real estate, everything from flips to rent to owns to buy and holds. I've done single family, multifamily. I've done a lot of stuff over these years. And we backtrack to, like you said, back in that last recession when we first started chatting. I definitely made a lot of money in the US during that time frame. And what's coming up now is it's not going to be an exact repeat. There will be some differences, but there's definitely going to be some opportunities. I had a conversation with Dr. Doug Duncan, the chief economist for Fannie Mae last week, and he shared some very interesting perspectives that really showed me that it's not going to be a repeat of the last cycle. The number of properties going into foreclosure is going to be significantly less. There's a lot of big money sitting on the sidelines waiting to scoop up portfolios of properties from the banks if that comes to pass. But there's still opportunities, certainly opportunities in commercial, in retail, in hospitality, in office, no question about it. But also in residential, for example, the tax man still wants their money. And those moratoriums have been in place for a while. There's been a backlog building up. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, what we're going to see is a massive, I believe, a massive transfer of wealth. It's not going to look exactly like it did 2007, 2008. That mess was caused kind of by the banking industry. It was caused by very inflated real estate. A lot of people didn't have any equity. They had you know, actually negative equity back in those days. These days, it looks a little different. However, the opportunity is still going to be, I believe, really massive. So for example, one of my favorite strategies, there's an auction that takes place, at least pre-COVID, it took place every month on the first Tuesday of the month in Houston, Texas. And that's what's known as tax deeds. And a tax deed is when somebody hasn't paid their property taxes in a number of years, eventually the county will put those homes up on the auction block. They need that for their hospitals or schools, police force, et cetera. And they need that capital to keep those things running. Eventually, these homes up at, end up on the auction block. And these auctions have now been shut down for, oh, like seven months, seven or eight months now. And normally on, on a typical month, we'll see 500, 1,000 homes changing hands. And if you multiply that by seven months that we've been closed so far, conservatively, you know, three or 4,000 properties in backlog that didn't go on the auction block that would have. 
And then on top of that, you have all the normal properties that would have been foreclosed on during this time frame that haven't been do that moratorium, which now just got extended by the way to, to January 31st. As we have just in that one strategy alone, we have a massive backlog of properties. Those homes go for pennies on the dollar. But the biggest challenge is there's obviously competition. We're going to have a massive supply. So that's one of the places where I see a lot of potential. There's also going to be potential in different places where you don't normally see it. For example, a lot of people, buy and hold investors tend to be long-term thinkers. They're not doing the roller coaster ride that, let's say, flippers do. They usually hold their stuff for a long period of time. And right now we're seeing a bunch of landlords not getting rent and they can't evict their tenants. We're seeing a lot of people getting very frustrated that are now thinking, okay, I want to get out of this game. Like this sucks because they still have their mortgage payments. They still have property taxes and insurance to pay. There's no moratorium on property taxes or insurance. So they still have money coming out of their bank and maybe not any cash flow. So that's going to be another possibility. I know people that were doing Airbnbs very successfully pre-COVID, and they're not seeing a lot of revenue. So you've got to look at where are these opportunities, where are the biggest pain points in the industry, and you need to be the problem solver for those people in trouble, and that's where the money is. I'm having visions of standing outside the courthouse where the landlord-tenant tribunal meets and just meeting all those tired landlords coming out of there, shaking their heads, saying, you want to sell your property? We're going to see a lot of that, I believe. And, and then the other thing is you have to remember these people have an investor mindset. They don't really want to get out of the game. At one point, that was their passion. Obviously, they went and got in the game. That opens up opportunities for maybe people watching right now and say, oh, I'd love to get in. I love this opportunity that's coming up, but I don't have a lot of cash. Like, how do I get in? Some of these people, if you approach them, like I said, they still have the investor mindset. So if you said, hey, will you do vendor financing for me? And I'm going to pay you X amount per month. They're still getting money every month. They're still getting passive income, but now they're not dealing with tenants and toilets. Now they're just dealing with you. And if you can show them, hey, that I'm trustworthy, you're going to have security with the property still. If I don't pay, you can get that property back. There's going to be a lot of opportunity for people to get in the game if they take the time to one, find out where the opportunities are. And secondly, find out the things that you're, whatever you're lacking, whatever resources that you think are stopping you from getting in the game, be creative and be resourceful and figure out different ways to get in, even if you don't have all the resources that you'd love to have to partake in this transfer of wealth that's coming up. Well, seller financing has always been an awesome strategy, but I think it's become even more important today than ever before. We're having conversations with various landowners, property owners, specifically around seller financing. They see the tax advantage. They see the protection on the downside. When you make the argument, well, if we default, you get your property back, so you're no worse off than you were today. And so you're secure, but you're now turning what was an active real estate business into a passive income stream. It's now mailbox money where you couldn't have that before. And that's pretty attractive. Absolutely. That's going to be huge. I think there's going to be a lot more people open to it that maybe before weren't, even though they should have been. As real estate investors, one of the things that we need to learn to do is to show the person on the other side of that transaction, what their advantage is, what's in it for them. Because a lot of them don't know that, hey, if you take this as a lump sum, you're going to give a lot of that to the tax plan. If you take it in installments, you can reduce that. So there's a lot of different things that most, you know, a lot of investors don't understand. So we have to become educators. We have to show them, hey, there's a plus for me, but this is a win for you too. And here's why. But I think there's going to be probably more people receptive to that idea than ever before. And just a lot of people that maybe they're stressed out over what things are looking like right now. And they're just getting frustrated. And if you can come up with a different way, hey, I know you like being an investor and I know you want a passive income. And I know you weren't getting that for the last little while, but here's how I could be the solution for that and create a win for you. And, and it could be a win for me too. And so when you look at it from that perspective, 
I think there's going to be a ton of opportunity, just really uh, tired landlords that will want to be bailing. And also Airbnb owners, same thing. A lot of them just haven't got the, the revenue. Maybe you take that property off their hands and turn it into a long-term rental until Airbnb makes sense again. There's a lot of different things you can do. So a lot of people that entered that segment, Airbnb specifically, as amateurs. I mean, there's really a couple of different segments of the industry. There's what the amateurs do and then what the pros do. The pros often put in the proper reserves for maintenance, obviously, for just negative cash flow for the economic cycle in a way that the amateur landlord doesn't typically think of doing. So they get into a heap of trouble much, much faster than the professional investors do. So I think there's opportunity there for sure. And it depends also on location, of course, because the folks that simply bought a condo and they said, you know what, I can get more coin if I put it as an Airbnb instead of a long-term rental, I'm just going to go do that. They really neglect the systems, the processes, what's necessary to have a sustainable business rather than truly understanding the dynamics of the market. We've done very well with our Airbnbs because we happen to be in certain vacation locations that have done well in the pandemic. They did well before and they're still doing well now. But if you're just a commodity, if you're one of a thousand units or one of 10,000 units in a market, now you've got one in 10,000 chance of being picked. And when the demand drops. Yeah, it's a relatively new concept. So for a lot of people, it's a wild west and they're just figuring it out as they go. And that's not really the best, most strategic way to do it. And the best way is to find somebody like yourself who's already paved that path before and, and you know, call Victor and say, hey, listen, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you recommend? But a lot of people just try to wing it. And I'm guilty of that too. Like I said, when I first started my first deal, I had no idea what I was doing. I happened to get really lucky. And being back then in my 20s, I thought I figured out how to win the lottery. And my ego kind of got the best of me. And I took a really big hit after that, which was good because it was humbling. And then I had no choice but to go ask somebody else for help. Or I would not be, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Or maybe I'd be, you'd be inviting me on as your guest lawyer instead of a guest uh, real estate investor. So <laughs> time to get the map is before you go into the woods, I'd say. Absolutely. So as you look out over the next six to 12 months, what would you say are the things that you are laser focused on and keeping a close eye on? The thing that I always do, even when it's not COVID, is I'm always looking at, hey, what are the trends going to be? And COVID is, is obviously throwing a monkey wrench in a lot of people's plans and changing a lot of the trajectory of where people are working, where people are living. And so what I foresee is, and we're already seeing it, people leaving expensive places and going to where there's one, jobs, and two, low cost of living. So in the United States, we're seeing a ton of people leaving California. It's very heavily taxed there. People are getting fed up. And where are they going? They're going to the places that are more affordable, which is almost everywhere. We're seeing a lot of people move into Texas. We're seeing Phoenix and Vegas, which is always one of their go-tos. And even like places like Idaho right now are booming because of all the Californians going there. In the West, or sorry, in, yeah, in the East, a lot of people are leaving places like New York. Imagine you wake up and you live in Midtown Manhattan, and you've got your one-bedroom apartment that you pay five thousand bucks a month to live in, and you don't have a job. That is not sustainable for most people. They're going to places like Atlanta, for example, where it's very business-friendly. So there's always lots of jobs being created. It's also very affordable. And so what you want to do as a real estate investor is you want to be in the path of progress before the people get there. So not after when, by the time it hits the news, hey, everybody's moving to Idaho, hey, you missed the boat. You're fighting for properties along with everybody else. So you want to be in the path of progress. You want to get there before others do that. That's where the money is. And that's one of the big trends is people looking for work, people looking to lower their cost of living. And so we're going to see that trend. We're also going to see people, a lot of businesses that were reluctant to have their employees work from home. They're realizing, hey, not only did this work, 
but we don't need to rent this big expensive office space for downtown Toronto or downtown LA or wherever. And so now people don't have to be close to the downtown core where it's more expensive typically. They're moving into the suburbs and the outskirts. And of course, that's obviously going to have a big impact on the commercial office space, things like that. You want to be looking at what the trends are. You want to be, like I said, you want to be a little bit proactive. You don't want to wait till everybody else is doing that. A lot of people wait till they start seeing it in the news to validate their, what they thought in the first place. You got to get there before it becomes the news or it's too late. Well, virtually everything you've said mirrors the strategies of our company, quite frankly. If I think about the apartment project we're building in Houston, it's within a stone's throw of where Hewlett Packard announced their new corporate headquarters. If I think about the acreage, the 45 acres that we are submitting a building application for, that's outside Boise. That's a residential subdivision. Exactly all the things you're talking about for maybe it's just luck that we're on trend, but we're seeing the signs. And so we're getting out ahead of the curve and just getting these projects launched and getting them done. So we feel like we're in a great place for a lot of the same reasons you described. You've been in the game a while and to survive in this game, you have to learn a thing or two along the way. And I know uh, you're probably the same. I've had quite a few very humbling lessons along the way, but each time I've had a lesson, I learned something from it and I learned how to do things better than the last time. And so I learned a lot during 2007, 2008. During that, I, I did extremely well. But I also learned a lot of stuff as to, hey, this, these are the markets that are probably going to boom first and, and recover first. And these are the ones that are going to bust the most, but they're going to come back. And so it's, it's just a matter of taking everything that you learn every time you do a project and then the next time doing it just a little bit better, or maybe a lot better if you screwed it up. So I'm not surprised that you're doing the, the right things because otherwise you wouldn't be here right now and I wouldn't be here either. We'd be doing something different. I'm sure you, you've seen a lot of people come and go from this industry, as have I. And so it's really the people that are, are successful, they're always looking at, hey, what's going on? How, how is this going to affect people? Where, where are they going to move to? What are they looking for? And it's just a matter of you know, s- simply supplying whatever that demand is right on point with what you're doing. Awesome. So Mike, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Yeah, they can go to my website, which is mikewolfmastery.com, or they can email me at uh, info at mikewolfmastery.com. And I I always love to uh, hear from people. And despite the fact I've been doing this 31 years, I'm still very passionate about real estate. And I love talking real estate with anybody who wants to talk to me about it. So Mike, thanks for sharing your insights. For the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Mike at mikewolfmastery.com. M-I-K-E-W-O-L-F mastery.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. 